It is uh, my honor and pleasure now to introduce our speaker, Lee Becker, and to welcome he and his lovely wife, Ashley, to be with us today. Thank you. A Gideon from North Carolina named Lester got a telephone call one day from a young man. He said, Lester, I'm going to send you a newspaper article. Would you please see if this is the same young man that I used to sit beside when he used to teach Sunday school? Lester said, sure, send it. He read the article, and sure enough, the young man was on death row for murder in Florida. It was the same little boy he had taught in Sunday school for years, and it broke Lester's heart. Lester prayed, how could God use him to witness to this young man? So God convicted Lester to go and visit him. So Lester got in his car and drove 750 miles to that prison in Florida. When he got there, he asked the guard if he could see him. The guard went and asked, came back out and said, no, he won't see you. He doesn't want anything to do with you. So Lester said to the guard, uh, would you see if he'll take this testament? He said, I'll see. And with that, Lester got back to his car and drove 750 miles back to North Carolina. He didn't get to see the young man, but Lester obeyed what the Lord told him to do. A month later, Lester got a letter from the young man. He said, Dear Lester, I'm so sorry I refused to see you, but I did read the testament you gave me, and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. <sighs> Lester it was so thrilled. A few months went by, and Lester received another letter. The young man said, Dear Lester, by the time you read this, I will have been executed. But I led 42 other men to the Lord. Isn't God good? 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So today I'm representing Gideon's International, which is an association of born-again uh, business and professional men uh, that was founded in 1899 uh, that has uh, come together from local Bible-believing churches like yours to share the gospel with the world through Bible distribution and personal witnessing. So we're organized in over 200 countries throughout the world and uh, publish Bibles in over 100 languages. And uh, most recently, I guess, we've got a, an app called the Gideon Bible app that you can use on your smartphone, and that one is translated into 1,869 languages. That was maybe something I didn't mention last year. Uh, so we place full Bibles like this one uh, in a hotel nightstand, uh, making sure that's uh, stocked, and we also place, place uh, full Bibles in hospital nightstands. Um, as far as uh, little New Testaments, we do K through 12 distributions, um, college campuses, um, fire departments, police departments, uh, just anywhere where there'd be um, also a, a gathering of people, you know, we'll, we'll pass them out in, in uh, mass. 
So the purpose of these efforts are to see lost people enter into a saving relationship with Jesus. So Gideon's visit congregations like yours to give this report to tell you how God's using the seed that, that is being sown. Mark 4.14 says that the sower soweth the word. Uh, last year, 85 million copies of God's word were distributed throughout the world. And uh, since 1899, 2.5 billion, I guess, is the number right now. So it's, it's still going. Um, as far as what it costs, you know, to print one of these little New Testaments, it's about a dollar and fifty cents. Um, and then for a full Bible, like would be on a hospital nightstand, it's like five dollars. And uh, I guess one other thing I wouldn't have mentioned last year: there's actually a, another venue or avenue that you guys can get Bibles, even if you're not a Gideon, and that's through uh, the Friends of the Gideons. So I'm pretty sure this church would be one. And those, uh, <laughs> obviously, but uh, for, for one of those Bibles to print one of those is $1.70. Okay, so it's a little bit higher. Um, it's the exact same thing. You know, it's got the uh, helps uh, at the front and then the plan of salvation in the back. And uh, the only difference is it doesn't have that Gideon symbol on it. So I suppose they're just not you know, distributed in mass or, or printed in mass. So uh, that's just some info. If you guys want Bibles, that would be the way to do it, you know, if, if, uh, if, if you don't actually become a Gideon. Um, so Gideons unapologetically believe that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. So that being said, God or Gideons believe in a literal eternal heaven and a literal eternal hell, which, you know, the Bible says is the lake of fire. So I had mentioned a year ago that a, a Gideon Bible, um, like in a hotel nightstand, would have capacity to reach 2,300 people. So I look at it like this. You know, for $5, um, there's 2,300 chances for somebody to find Christ, you know, at a time when... Maybe they don't have a Bible or don't have a clue. So it's, it's just, it's a, it's a ministry that's, that's uh, given people chances, you know, in those venues. And it's, uh, you know, been going over 120 years, I guess, now. Uh, the other uh, ability you could do to give to the Gideons is uh, through the Gideon cards. You know, that's just like the greeting cards and... Uh, there's a voucher that you can give Bibles in honor of somebody. So thousands of Bibles get, get printed just through those Gideon cards. So they're free, you know, and we just encourage you to use them as much as you can. So I guess, uh, you know, that was a pretty condensed version of uh, a Gideon presentation because Pastor Justin um, said that I could, uh, you know, go, go further with it. So I... I was honored to, to do that, and uh, I've been looking forward to this. And he said that I could just kind of talk about whatever the Lord had laid on my heart. So we'll see what happens here. <laughs> Hopefully it's good. And I, it will be good. So what's really been on my heart uh, lately has been uh, the need 
because there's so much information, you know, right now, you know, we're at a time and there never has been more information out there with the internet and YouTube videos and uh, news, you know, things like that, a lot of things happening in the world, that it is uh, a big deal if we can hear from God, you know, through prayer. You know, I, I shared an example earlier in that first testimony uh, where Lester heard from God to go see this guy in prison and 43 guys got saved. You know, and that's not to say that Lester does everything right, you know, but, but he got that right. He prayed about it, heard from God, was obedient, and God did the work. Um, so this topic, um, you know, I challenge myself a lot, you know, of how you could really break it down, you know, because it's, it's really a, a loaded subject. And... Uh, just kind of breaking it down into simple terms. Uh, what I do for a job is I'm actually an engineer at a coal mine. I've been doing it for 17 years, you know, so I can kind of relate some of it back to that. And what I do is take a situation, you know, where there's a need and break it down into piece by piece, you know, and kind of add them together. And rather than just try to explain, you know, the whole, you know, I break it up into parts. And so, like, a lot of times it will be a complex issue that has a lot of factors going into it. And the people that will actually do the construction, you know, the things that I design, don't necessarily need to know all those details, but they want to know that what they hear from me is actually going to work, you know. And so there, there has to be a, an element of trust, you know, that's built. You know, like I, you know, right out of college, you know, I would say that I didn't have relationships with people that I got now after 17 years, you know, or they just know that it's, they know what they're getting, you know, type deal. And I think it's kind of that same way, you know, not to oversimplify it, but it's kind of that same way with God, you know. We, you know, we can break some of this stuff down where, yeah, if there's a block, you know, that's keeping us from receiving from God, we can break some things down and eliminate the simple stuff, you know, and then go from there because we do live in a, a complicated uh, world, you know, and not an easy world. These people that don't know God, I don't know how they do it, you know, to be perfectly honest with you. They're just, they're trying, you know. Um, so last year, I, when I was here, I, I shared a lot of my testimony of how I reached repentance, okay. And a part of that, you know, that kind of, spurred me on to, to really get after it and, you know, break things down and really solidify my faith was that I had a friend that was killed in a mass shooting, okay? And I put myself through a lot of uh, guilt and, and anguish that I was not, you know, I just did not take the opportunity to share the gospel with him. You know, thinking that there was more time, you know, limited time with him. 
uh, you know, I would, this was a hunting buddy, you know, so you're, you know, there's a million excuses that a guy could use for, for just focusing on the task at hand. But the reality was, is I, I just did not share with him. And one of the reasons for that, um, and hopefully I'll, I'll be able to break this down here, but one of the reasons for that was I got born again at a young age, okay? And I knew that Jesus was real. I knew that God was real. And I knew that sin was real. You know, those were kind of the three things I was aware of at, at seven years old when I got saved. And as time went on, I uh, was uh, aware, you know, that Jesus had forgiven my sins, okay? And, and that was good, you know, past sins, present sins, future sins, okay? But, you know, like at the time frame when I was hunting with my buddy, uh, there was things that I was not repenting of. You know what I mean? I was just kind of doing my thing. And, uh, you know, to him, I don't know what he, he would have really thought of me. You know what I mean? What if, he, what if he viewed me as a Christian, you know, if I would have told him? Would have there been any tangible difference, you know, that he could have seen in my life? And that's, that's really was the, the issue that I wrestled with for many years, you know, after he died. And uh, I think it came down to, to repentance. You know, there was just things where I just thought, man, this is a, a one-shot deal. You know, I got saved, and I'm trying my best, but, you know, I'm, you know, I'm failing in certain areas, you know. But not realizing that I could have just given a lot of that stuff to God, and he would have helped me out in that area. So... This is, it's a, it's a challenging topic, but God wants us to be not straitjacketed by sin, especially if we're a Christian. And, you know, that, that isn't obvious. You know, I mean, there's, until you build that level of trust with God and, and see that his yoke is easy and burden is light, um, it's, it's just a process, you know. There was, there was a time frame where I just, I wanted to do what I wanted to do, you know. And maybe I wasn't real interested in hearing from God, you know. So, I mean, those were just some really hard things that I had to face, you know, just the reality. So, um, I'm just going to read you a few verses from Romans 6 about keeping on sinning. You know, what does God have to say? Romans chapter 6, verses 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? And then 1 John 3, 6. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen the Lord or known him. So that's a tough one, you know. <laughs> you know, I mean, so those are the things that, that challenge us. And one day I heard from somebody that uh, you can't give what you don't have. 
And that really hit me hard from a standpoint that, you know, I needed to, you know, maybe I just didn't have it. I just didn't have anything to give my friend, you know, beyond you need Jesus, okay? So, you know, I realize I've made mistakes. I'm sure we all have. And uh, I've realized, though, that my past is over, you know. So that's kind of my uh, saying with my wife, Ashley. My past is over. I want to be free of that and, and move on and hopefully be able to receive from God, you know. Um, <laughs> talking about the, the same thing with the past, I was at a, a Gideon cabinet meeting this last Thursday, and it was basically to come up with a list of future Gideons, you know. So we met and kind of prayed over the list, and uh, when we were getting done, I just started visiting, and uh, one of the guys who's been married a long time uh, he shared a story, and I thought it was pretty good. And so he's got a, a deal with his wife that if they get into an argument or something, you know, they get in a fight or whatever, they, after one week goes by, it's off limits. You know, and they can call each other out on it. <laughs> so, I, I mean, that kind of ties into my past is over, right? Easier said than done, right? But, uh, and then he took it a step further. He said that, you know why uh, a car windshield is, you know, five feet wide? It's because you're supposed to be looking forward, you know, and your rearview mirror is only about six inches wide. You know, so you're just glance at it, you know, just kind of keep tabs of what's, what's behind you, but that's not the focus. That's not where you should be looking all the time. So I thought that was um, pretty good, you know, too. I'll share another verse uh, with you here. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So he's not changing, and the good and perfect gifts are coming, you know, so we just got to learn how to grab onto those. So, I, you know, I'm trying to, I'm going to try to give you an illustration, though, and this is one I, I just, I didn't know how to do it. Um, but hopefully it'll, it'll tie together, and I might just read this so I don't confuse anything. <laughs> so that's not the point of this. So. so here it goes. There are things that will pretty much plug off our hearts, receiving the good, from receiving the good and perfect gifts God wants us to give to us daily, including being able to hear from Him. So to break this down, I want you guys to imagine a beaver dam. Okay, So a beaver dam um, is always built across an area where water is going to flow. All beavers desperately want to build up a home in a strategic location so they have access to food, water, and shelter. Just like us. No, no different in that regard. So I'm not a beaver dam expert by any means, but uh, what I've observed from looking at them is beavers are willing to chew down and destroy whatever it takes to get what they want, what they want. 
So they'll kill the trees and the vegetation around the location where the beaver dam and, and, and drag those tree limbs and grass and mud and straw, whatever they can find, to build up their house to whatever height it's got to be. Okay? So in this example, I got a little bit ahead of myself. So many of the beaver dams would uh, truly act, it would take an act of God to blow this thing out. You know what I mean? It's, it's packed in there, right? And the only way to really remove it is piece by piece, you know, to, to let the river flow, okay? So that is, that is our objective, to let the river flow into us, into our hearts, okay? So I'm going to break this down a little bit further. So the, the example of the water flowing through the stream represents God's love, hearing from God, and whatever else God says in the Bible is yours as a child of God, once you get born again. So this is this living water that God is sending, it's intended to go into your heart once you get born again. And the tree limbs, the mud, the grass, the reeds, whatever the dam is made of, are things that we haven't repented of. They could be uh, unforgiveness, idols, dishonesty. I mean, the list could be huge, you know, whatever it is. And uh, we need to be, these are unhelpful, and they'll plug us off. They'll plug us off from hearing from God and the flow that's coming from Father. So Father wants us to receive, but in order for that to happen, we need to first give him permission to do the work in our hearts to pull out those logs and mud and junk piece by piece out of the beaver dam of our hearts to let the river flow and flood our hearts with light. But I believe the process of giving God permission um, to take each individual log, each individual piece from him will then be used to build trust. He'll, he'll, uh, he'll take what the enemy meant for evil and use it for his good. And uh, we'll experience blessings and freedom and so will other people that are around us if we can let that happen. So Jesus said in John seven thirty eight. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his hearts will flow rivers of living water. And Matthew 10, 8, B, freely you have received, freely give. So the first limb, um, you know, that I would say would need to get pulled out uh, in order to hear from God and receive from God is, you know, an unrepentant heart. And that would include a lot of things, you know. And uh, I'm going to take you through, um, you know, some, some scriptures here, I guess, to just say that, you know, there, there are certain sins, you know, that I in the past didn't think were a big deal, you know, but God would argue otherwise, you know. So I was confronted with that fact that uh, it was something that I needed to deal with. So the first verse I'll share is Acts 8.22. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. Acts 17.30, the times of ignorance God overlooked, 
But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Acts 3.19 through 21. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Revelation 2.5. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. That's the Lord talking to Christians there. Um, Revelation 3.19, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Romans 2.4b, God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. So it's not the condemnation, it's not the guilt, it's not the, you screwed up God. You know, It's actually his kindness that he, he wants us to able to receive, but it's, it's impossible if we don't deal with the sin. Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, so what does God say to the backslider if he repents? You know, so that's, that's where I was, you know, in that first uh, testimony that I shared with my friend, where I I just didn't repent of things. What's he say about that? So I'll read you some verses here too. Isaiah 57. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high place and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry. For the spirit would grow faint before me, and the breath of life that I made. Because of the iniquity or sin of his unjust gain, I was angry. I struck him. I hid my face and was angry. But he went on backsliding in the way of his own heart. I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him and restore comfort to him and his mourners, creating the fruit of the lips, peace, peace to the far and to the near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. So just to recap that, what God says to the backslider that repents, number one, He'll revive the heart of the contrite. Number two, he'll heal him. Three, he'll restore comfort to him. Four, Lord will create the fruit of the lips. And five, God will give him peace. So those are all uh, things I think we'd all want, you know. Uh, so the second uh, log or, or piece, you know, of the beaver dam that, that I obvious one, I guess, would be unforgiveness. And, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say a whole lot about this. Unforgiveness is pretty self-explanatory, but it's, it's easier said than done. You know, you can't really do it through your head. You know, you need God to actually help you do that, okay, in a lot of cases. Um, so I just, 
you know, it, it sounds simple, but I think it, it must be just a spiritual law. You know, it just plugs you off, you know. And uh, so as an engineer, you know, I'm, you know, I got to kind of deal with facts, you know. But I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that that is an area that you, you need God's help to do it, and he will help you to do that because that's his will. So we just need to give that burden to God. Matthew 6.15, But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Luke 6.37, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So the third one, uh, I was going to just talk about briefly here are idols, you know, and that was, uh, you know, not, it's just kind of a, something that I never really had thought of, but uh, I'll read you the, the last verse of 1 John, 1 John 5.21. John says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. So I guess that would imply that you know, there's there's something that we can do on our part to keep ourselves from idols. You know, and, and part of that is acknowledging what an idol could be. You know, for me, personally, just being very transparent, I was a perfectionist, you know. So I, you know, there was a fear of man tied to that. If I would screw up on a design or whatever, you know, I would take it very personally and hard and be very hard on myself. And... Uh, so I had to let that go. You know, it was just something that, you know, God wasn't mad about it. You know, and there was, you know, I had relationships with these people that if I made a mistake, they weren't going to, you know, fire me immediately, hopefully. But uh, so idols could be anything. You know, they really could be anything um, that occupies your mind, you know, from, from, wanting the will of God in your life. You know, it will stop the flow. If you're obsessed with something, I mean, you're sidetracked. You're not going to be able to receive from God because that's all there is. So this could be, you know, I just made a, a generic list. Entertainment, food, work. You know, if you're a German like me, um, it could be an idol. Hunting, fishing, um, a lot of these things that we like to do, you know, but there's a balance, right? If it goes too far one way, you know, it, it throws you off. So those are uh, those are, are areas that, you know, it's not, in my experience, you know, you don't just wean off of this, you know, in one second. You know, I mean, you, you just slowly... Give it to God, you know, and all of a sudden it's not a big deal. You know, so he's patient, you know, which is really nice. But um, but it's just something to be aware of. It, you know, idols don't have to be, you know, worshiping some occultic, you know, idol, you know, or symbol or something like that. It, it could be something in our own heads, you know, that we're just giving an inordinate affection to, I guess we could, we could say. So, um, 
So these are, are just very basic things, you know, um, you know, but apparently not obvious to me, you know, I mean, because it's taken me this long to uh, come to grips, you know, with some of these things and actually see some freedom in my own life. So I just want to be uh, encouraging to you that, you know, God's good. And uh, he, he wants you to receive. He wants you to hear his voice. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm going to give you guys a couple stories now. You know, you've been an attentive audience. <laughs> so you, you deserve it. Uh, and hopefully we'll, we'll be able to, you'll be able to see the connection. Um, the first story that, uh, you know, it was actually a, an article I read briefly um, online I honestly didn't read the whole thing, but it is about an NFL quarterback that uh, is, is in his final year of contract with his professional team, and he wants wisdom, or he wants direction on what he should do, you know, in his last year of, of uh, NFL. So he... Uh, has enlisted himself to a four-day darkness retreat, okay? And so basically what I gleaned from this article is that there's like a, a cave, you know, someplace in central Oregon where, where you go in and it's basically like a hone-out stone room uh, where it is utter darkness. I mean completely utter darkness. And... Uh, the thought there is these guys will go in and clear their mind, you know, and and hopefully come out of there with something useful. Okay. Well, you know there there are you know the first thing that kind of flagged in my mind is well you know Satan's the prince of darkness you know so that you know you got a pretty good chance of uh, encountering, you know, something that you maybe don't want to, you know, and something like that. Um, so, yeah, he, uh, he's enlisted into that. Um, you know, think back to 1 Samuel 28, verse 7, with Saul. You know, he, he was at a point where he was in a bad spot. You know, he was not hearing from God anymore, and he consulted a medium, or a witch. And uh, he ended up dying the next day, you know, so that did not work out, you know, for not going directly to God or waiting on God, you know. Um, so yeah, he, you know, this guy, I hope it, I hope it works out well, but I mean, at night, I guess just to kind of break down the story a little bit more, They'll, they'll sit in darkness all day long, and then at night, they'll go out and kind of let their eyes and pupils adjust, you know, to the moonlight and starlight and stuff like that. And that could take eight to ten hours to, to accomplish. You know, otherwise, his eyes would be solid black, you know, which is scary in and of itself. Um, so... The second story I was going to share with you guys, and, and this one uh, I heard from my neighbor when I was when I was leaving the eye clinic here a few weeks ago. 
and I was, um, uh, I had a date actually scheduled with my wife, and I, when I was leaving the appointment, I, I saw my neighbor you know, coming across from the chiropractor office, and I just felt like I needed to talk to him. And so our, our date ended up getting postponed about 30 minutes. But anyway, this, this story hopefully will, will uh, kind of make a connection here too. So have you guys ever heard of a Judas goat? Okay, Don's shaking his head. <laughs> Right. I had not heard of it, you know, not heard of it at all. But but the name, you know, kind of kind of got my attention. So back in the early 1900s, slaughterhouses were built like six stories high, and the killing floor was at the very top level, you know, so 60 feet plus in the air. So they had to get these animals escorted or or they had to get them up there somehow, okay? So this article was, was saying that cattle, you know, were not really an issue to get up there. They could be driven, pushed up the ramp, you know, and a lot of times these are a quarter mile long, you know, the pretty steep grade. And uh, pigs or hogs, you know, were, were able to be coaxed. But sheep were a different story. The sheep would not be driven. They had to be led. So the way that they were able to achieve this was by training a goat to lead these sheep up to the killing floor. Uh, you know, the, there was, you know, a, I'm sure a lot of red flags for them because they could smell the death, you know, that, that was from up there. So that, that alone was an alarm, but they trusted this goat until they went through the door and it was done. It was done. It was too late. So, um, the way they trained this goat was by feeding the goat a nicotine cigarette afterwards. And he would just, one round after another, 40 to 100 sheep, you know. And, you know, if, if they would be leaning over, he'd take the whole pack out of their pocket and run away with it. You know, so, I mean, he didn't care. You know, I mean, he was, he was in it for his fix, you know, his addiction, basically. So, um, you know, we can, we can take a lot, of, a lot from that, you know, that we do need to be hearing from God on a lot of this stuff. There's, there's a high value. And the point of these stories, I guess I could summarize into this. When we find ourselves overextended, stuck, in a situation that seems like you can't get out, there's one thing that we need to remember. Not everyone that shows up is there to help. You know, you know it, it could be bad advice you know, that somebody got. Did they hear from God themselves? You know? um, are these people going to lead you in a direction of safety or to the top floor of that slaughter elf. You know, it's, uh, it's a real thing, you know, where if you hear from God, that's your ace in the hole, you know. Yeah, and the real sad one is, is these people that are trying to speak in your life may not even care about you, 
you know, hopefully they do, you know. I think I would, but, <laughs> you know, that's not everybody, you know. So we, we do have to have some, some uh, understanding that, that there are, it can happen. But we know that God's trustworthy, and uh, we know that he's good, and we know that uh, he's got a plan, you know, for our lives. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about this. This is kind of the, the handwritten part that I was thinking about this morning. But, um, you know, just, just a basic concept of communication. Like if you were to pick up the phone and call somebody, you know, I've got friends like this personally, you know, where, where uh, you know, all they want to do is talk about themselves. And, you know, so I kind of know that going into the conversation that I got to wait an hour, you know, to maybe give my two minutes of, of update, you know. And, you know, for, for a lot of my life, I guess that's probably how I talk to God, you know, if I was, I was just really being open and honest with you. Bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. Bless me, bless me, bless me. Amen. Okay, I wasn't waiting to hear from him, you know, and uh, so that was a revelation too. Um, so what would it look like, you know, if, uh, you know, even like in a marriage, you know, if you did all the talking and, and your, your spouse, you know, didn't have any input in the deal, you know, it would be, it would be limited communication, you know, you'd be missing out on half, at least, of what, what was available. So I, I just really think it's that way with God, you know, that uh, he wants to speak, and he is speaking, but we have to have the ears to hear and take out what's plugging us off, you know, uh, just in really simplistic terms. Um, you know, this was a while back, but uh, you know, Carol wanted me to kind of share a little bit of a testimony of how I met my wife, my wife okay? And uh, I'm not going to put her on the spot, but basically it was. It truly was an occurrence where I believed that I heard from God, you know? Now, there were times during our marriage where I questioned that. But at the time, I was sure, okay, and now I'm sure today as well. But, uh, yeah, so like I had, you know, done the online dating, you know, thing and things like that with, without much luck, I'll just be honest with you. And I was at a point where I was not real eager to do it again, I'll put it to you that way. But I was just kind of pressing into God, you know, knowing that he's good, you know, just content with whatever he had. If I was going to be a bachelor my whole life, I was okay with it, okay? So I ended up getting married at 35 years old, okay? Well, before that, I was sitting, I don't even remember what I was doing, you know, just, just at peace, you know? And I got a feeling in my belly that I needed to sign up for Christian Mingle, Okay, and it was just, it was out of the blue, you know what I mean, it, pretty atypical, you know what I mean, it, 
wasn't happening every day, you know, by any means. But uh, I was obedient, you know. So I went through my phone and cropped out an old deer picture of my face and <laughs> and uh, put it on there. And no luck in North Dakota, you know. So I kind of broadened the search, you know, pretty briefly. I think it was actually that night. I just I just felt like I needed to go further out. Well, she was living in New York at the time as a flight attendant. And uh, I reached out to her, and she reached back out to me. So we ended up talking for, I don't know, a couple months. You know, mainly on, on like FaceTime, which I had never used before. But, uh, yeah, we talked for hours, and I just knew she was the one. So it was, it was just a, a testimony, you know, that she has brought into my life a lot of things that I would not have had, had I not heard from God. You know, I'm, I'm sure I wouldn't be standing here today, you know. And maybe that's a good or a bad thing. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, God is good, Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, uh, trust in the Lord with all your might and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your path. So I, you know, I'll reach out online here to thank Pastor Justin for inviting me this morning and thank you church for, uh, for welcoming my wife and I to share what the Gideons had. And uh, yeah, as far as giving to the Gideons, um, yeah, you can sure do that. Um, and I just really, really appreciate the, the time that I've been able to have with you guys. And I hope you were encouraged. God bless you. Thank you, Lee. I'm going to just take a little, I'm supposed to receive the offering. And so I don't know if I'm... Um, if there's instructions that will be on the screen or not, but I'm just going to take a little bit longer and just make this continuing personal because I'm sitting there and I haven't thought about this for years. And as I was thinking about yesterday and uh, the last few days, it's like, okay, God, what should I say at offering? And nothing was happening. And it's like, oh, Carol, just get up, make it simple, give the offering and be done. But as I was sitting there, Lee, I remembered back to Indian Head Mine. I don't know how many years ago that was. I'd have to do the math. But um, they, the mine was out there, and they had never had a secretary, and they needed a secretary. So I was the first secretary, lady secretary out there among all those guys. And it was quite an adventure. But I'm doing my job, and along comes this brand-new young engineer guy that um, he was a Christian, and it was Lee's dad. Uh, that came as a brand new engineer. And I only worked out there a, a year and it was part time and I didn't have a lot of interaction with um, Jerry, but um, enough that, you know, I was a part of Jerry's life when they, they were newly wed. They moved to Beulah and Darlene and Jerry and then they're having children and, you, and then eventually Jerry's got the job where he's working for Coteau and because we rented land and on and on with we had a, a mega, mega interaction with Jerry as the PR person over the years. 
And so having said that, as Jerry's life grew and ours grew, how many times Jerry would throw out, you know, pray for my wife, Darlene, pray we're going to have a child, pray, if, you know, just, and it's like, when you talk about that seed, it's like, you stood up there, Lee, and I don't know you real well, you know, it's an extended community relationship, but my heart burst with pride, because it's like, we've had a seed in that, that, that deep connection, that place where Jerry would stop by and drop off papers to sign, and then it was like, uh, pray for Lee, you know, he's doing this thing, and um, I'm just not sure, and, um, <laughs> and, you know, so I feel I've prayed into your life, Ashley, you know, and to bring it full circle to the, you know, every seed that you give, that you're a Gideon, I mean, that just blesses my heart, because we, we just don't realize the Word of God and the impact it can have indirectly. It's a seed that's anointed, a book that's it's, it's not just a book, it's a history. And we're, God's continuing to write that book. We are a part of that history. You know, that to write those chapters of connecting that I'm a young secretarian on and on and on. And, and so I just want to encourage us as a congregation that the, um, the depth of, there's a blessing having lived in this community all my life from a child on. For a few years I lived in Bismarck as a high school or but it's like that depth of that we know one another but at this you know in the community and we can share that knowledge but at the same time how many times are you indirectly dropping a seed someplace that you don't even realize the the depth of where that seed will produce and bring forth more fruit so um Ashley I think they just need to hear a little bit from you let's see Anybody have a question for Ashley? I mean, really, I, I just, that's been on my heart since pastors said that they were going to come. It's like, I know they have a way more testimony to share. And so it's like, um, just so they hear your voice and see your face, Ashley, what, what question would you like Ashley to answer? What, what was happening on your end when you first get this? What made you go on Christian whatever mingle? Actually, um, at that, I was in New York City, and I was working as a flight attendant. I'm from, originally from Southern California, born and raised. And I, speaking about hearing the voice of God, um, I was living overseas. I came back, and I prayed, and, I, and um, I had applied for the airlines to work. And it was a dream. I've always wanted to travel. I've always loved traveling. And um, that was, a, like, a way for me to get there, I felt. And, um, and I remember when I got hired with the airlines, I asked God, um, where, where do you, if I get hired, where do you want me to go? And, um, because I knew that they were going to send me anywhere, all over, anywhere in the United States, they were going to base me somewhere. And I remember I was in the bathroom and I, and I was sitting on the floor in the bathroom with the door shut, just sitting on the floor, me and God, you know, nobody around that was a way I had to get away from everybody, I guess. But I, I remember hearing um, very clearly New York. And I'm like, New York? And I started telling people, I'm going to New York. I'm going to New York. I'm going to New York. Because I heard God tell me that. And, um, and, when I, and, and then when I got hired in six, months, six weeks in to the training, 
um, they stick. They were basically deciding on random where you're going to go, and they had st they stuck a paper underneath my seat. It was taped to my seat, and I pulled it out, and it said New York. And I had heard from you know heard from God on on that. And then when I was in New York, um, you know, a lot of people think of oh New York City, like who'd want to go there, you know? But um, it was ended up being one of the most amazing times that I had with God there, where I encountered Him. And um, I went into a school of supernatural ministry when I was there, and it was all about hearing the voice of God and being activated in your giftings and praying for the sick and all this stuff. And so it was so fun, you know? And um, and I remember um, I didn't want to, I was 30-something at that time, and I've had a, a series of just like never things never really working out. And um, I told God I'm done with dating. I do not want to date anymore. I'm don't I don't care. And it was about two and a half years into that where I was really feeling content in my relationship with him, and um, and just really happy. Like I told him I'm so happy. I don't need anybody else. I'm good with you, just you and I. Because I'd spent that last two years working through healing and all this stuff, and just really knowing what it was like to just know God intimately and not needing anybody else to fill that void in my life. And um, up at that point, um, I had all, all of a sudden about to go to bed, and um, I heard the Lord say to me, fast and pray for your husband, just like that. And I'm like, did I hear him right? And then, was that me? Like, I don't, like, I've, I wasn't at that point. I'd never fasted. I, I didn't really know how to fast. And I heard, and, and so that I went to bed, I slept on it. The next day I wake up and a friend emails me and says, I felt that God told me to tell you, you need to fast and pray for your husband. And I'm like, the very next day. And so that was what happened for three days. I had fasted and I felt that God had told me, go online and and go on, just go online, and go on Christian Mingle, so I went on there, and then within, I think, uh, how long was it that we were talking, um, that you were on, it was like a day that you went on there, yeah, it was about 10 days, or something, that we had connected, and, um, and we just, from there, we just started talking, and from there, I started, um, I kept asking for more confirmations, um, I had, uh, dreams, and I had prophetic words that people had spoken to me um, when we met. Um, that that we that God was bringing my husband right then in my life. So yeah, so I sought Him for answers, which before that I didn't do. Before it was a lot of stuff in the flesh, you know, like um, doing stuff with my own desires, but not actually seeking Him and hearing His voice and and following. You know, and, and so now I realize it's an everyday event. It's an everyday relationship. Um, you can hear God. And, and I think the enemy wants people to believe that they can't hear him, but they can. And he's speaking to you, and he's going to speak to you in ways that, that you, the ways that will probably, you will, you will be able to hear him. And the more that you seek him, you will find him, you know, that, so that's one of the things, and one, one of the things that God had walked me through too was before I'd go to bed at night, um, for a while I said, God, you know, there's all these people in the Bible that are having these amazing dreams. You know, they're having dreams and God's speaking to them. And I want to be, I want you to speak to me that way. 
And I put a journal by the side of my bed and um, I would, before I go to bed, I say, whatever you want to speak to me, God, tonight, I'm going to listen. And when that happened, I started, the dream world would open up. You know, I started having dreams about things that were going to be coming on the earth. You know, I had what, dreams of revivals coming and things that God was going to come and touch people in a mighty way in this nation. And so I'm, you know, he's speaking and if you're w willing to listen, he'll speak. So Once again, I want to thank Le Le Lee and Ashley for being with us today and for the word they shared. Um, both of them. It was quite amazing. Um, so at this time, we'd like to close in prayer. Uh, Lord, we praise you and give you honor and glory. For Lord, you are the only one that deserves the honor and glory. We thank you for your blessings, Lord. We thank you for your word that you gave today, Lord. And we thank you for the Gideons and their mission, Lord, reaching people that would not be reached any other way. We thank you for this. Lord, we pray for those that are traveling, Lord, especially those coming back from Winterfest, Lord, that you be with them, protect them, Lord. And we pray, Lord, as we go from here today, you be with us, Lord God, and we would take this word that was given to us and hide it in our heart and th think on it and use it in our lives. We pray these things in your holy name. Amen.